Welcome to Clearing the Queue with Alex and Matt. Here's how it works. Each episode starts with a friend of ours signing into their Netflix account. Together, we scroll through their queue. Ultimately, we find a movie that's been on there a little too long, and we watch it together. The best part is that every queue is unique, so it tells a story about the person. Here's a question. Are we going to record ourselves talking about the movie during the movie? No, 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 no. This is not Mystery Science Theater 3000. It's uh, Clearing the Queue. A Netflix podcast. <laughs> what up, everybody? Welcome to the Universe and Clearing the Queue with Alex <laughs> and Matt. And this is going to be, again... Out of format. Next week we're gonna have real guests, but for today I'm the host and I'm the I guest. am the captain. I am I'm the, the captain. captain now. And Maddie B is gonna be on the hot seat. I've got your cue pulled up right now. And you know what, man? Let me start right off by asking you: Do you use your cue <laughs> as more of a traditional DVD library, or do you use it as a list? For me, it's more of a to-do list. And in fact, I thought that everybody used it that way until we started telling our friends about the idea for this podcast. It's going to be hard to surprise you. Like, we already have the American Beauty bag, which you surprised me with, but we should just go right into that, and I'll click on your cue while we answer it. So ruffle that bag around, that beautiful bag, and reveal something pristine about yourself. All right, I'm going to reach into this bag. Let me just say, by the way, as you're reaching in, we've shared many things in life. We've shared... A backyard. Yep. We've shared... Seventh grade girlfriend. And comic books. We've uh-huh. shared... We shared the same sense of humor. Yep. We probably shared yarmulkes at some We at probably some point. did. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been a while ago. Um, so I'm excited to like take this next step because I've never looked into your queue. So well, what, what you got there? This is crazy because before you came over and I grabbed the question bag, yeah. there was one question that had fallen out of it. And I picked it up and I thought to myself, should I put it back in or throw it out? And I put it back in, and that's the question that I just picked. What is it? It's name your guilty pleasure TV show. That's an apt question in many ways, because one, you kind of don't believe in I don't believe pleasure. in guilty pleasures. So that's why I almost didn't put it back in the bag. But I did put it in the bag, and so here we are. Um, first, explain, because I actually have never heard the full... The full... That the I, full Bogdanow take on your... On guilty why, pleasures? Yeah. I don't think you should ever feel guilty for liking some form of art. So I feel like if you like something and you say, like, for instance, if I said my guilty pleasure TV show is Survivor, but then if you genuinely like Survivor and it's not a guilty pleasure for you, that's I feel like that's kind of insulting. Like if I'm saying that I like this thing sort of ironically or it's sort of I know I'm not supposed to because it's bad, then people who genuinely like it. Well, that's, you're saying like, oh, they have bad taste. I have good taste and I like this bad thing and they have bad taste and they like it. Uh, okay. That makes sense. But I still stand by, <laughs> like, you still understand the, the, what the question means. I so. understand the concept of guilty pleasures. I just don't believe in them. So tell me something you're embarrassed in that will insult someone that's an actual fan. Well, I'll say this, actually. The most honest answer is that my guilty pleasure TV show is probably the NFL. Because for the last few years, every time I watched a football game, I had a blast and I also felt really guilty. And I eventually stopped watching football games because of that. That's not the spirit of the question, though. The spirit of the question is something you'd be (laughs) embarrassed to tell someone. Like that you're sort of ashamed to admit. Like that's what... Yeah. You already agreed to those terms of a definition, too. Sure. The stuff that you would think of as being a guilty pleasure, it tends to kind of annoy me. Do you have a guilty pleasure? 
Um, you already said Survivor. That's something that people are like, that's a thing? You still watch that? Right. But that, I actually think that is really good, so I actually stand behind that. Um, that's guilt- my guilty pleasure. I think it's bad. <laughs> um, like Saved by the Bell. Is that guilty or is that just nostalgia? I don't know. When I think guilty pleasure, I think like I'm watching something with like Paris Hilton or I'm watching like Teen Mom on well, MTV okay. or something. Well, okay. I used to really watch um like the Road Rules Real World Challenge. Uh-huh. I don't watch MTV anymore. My wife has guilted get literally guilted me <laughs> out of watching MTV. Yep. But that was a show that was just really terrible and really entertaining. But I just don't watch it anymore. Although I don't have a guilty pleasure TV show, I do have a guilty pleasure that I legitimately think is bad, which is BuzzFeed quizzes. Oh my god. Like I can't get Are enough. you a this? I'll do all every one of them, even if it's like a are you a blank or a blank and I don't know the references. What does it what sort of like itches it scratching in your body? I don't know. It's like just it might be an ego thing, like answering questions about myself. Yeah. I'll take the ones that are like, you know, which character from Lost are you? And I'll also take like the quiz ones, like how many lyrics from these 90s classics do you remember? Do you want to do one more question? Yeah, I'll pick another question out since I was really bad at answering that question. Name a movie you thought you were going to love, but ended up hating. Okay. Last year, we decided to go see Dumb and Dumber 2. And... I didn't think that it was going to be a good movie, but I did think that I would laugh through it. I thought that, like, it doesn't take a lot to get me to laugh with those characters. I thought just by seeing them on the screen, even if the jokes were cheap, I would laugh the whole time. And I think I laughed twice. Yeah. And I think you laughed zero times. Yeah, it was more like a nervous, like, laugh at at one thing. No, that's a really good one. But... Yeah, and because you know what, I think I was optimistic, like you were. Like we had seen Anchorman two just a year before, yep, and had sort of it acquitted itself, right. In fact, I've gone back and watched like the uncut version of that. Yeah, and it's way funnier than the actual movie. Like, yep. So you're right, I was optimistic, but we really ignored the fact that the Fairly Brothers haven't really made a good movie in true, like, over but a but the trailer was funny. Because in the oh, trailer right. they had that first scene of him at the mental hospital, and it was really funny. And that ended up being the one joke, basically. In the I, whole. I've tried to sort of dissect trailers in this way. Like, um, sometimes trailers that are not funny at all, like uh, the best example I can think of is Wedding Crashers. The Wedding Crashers trailer looked really generic and really, mm-hmm. uh, really unimpressive the first time you saw it. But when you realize, like, all the stuff that was really funny about the movie, it, they couldn't show it in the trailer, really. It just wasn't, right. it was like, and I think. That's what sort of red band trailers have sort of ex- come to exist and sort of... I don't know what that is. You don't know what a red band trailer is? No, and sometimes, like, for your episode, when I was looking for the trailer to put it in, uh, I kept coming up this term, red band trailer, and I don't know what it means. You have no idea. If I had to guess... Yeah, I would like to hear you have I would guess. feel like a red band trailer, it's two and a half minutes instead of one and a half minute. And it's something you show at Sundance. It's even better than that. <laughs> so, at some point, like... Marketers, studios, they realized that exactly this sort of wedding crashers thing is like, we can't chance that people, like, we need, we want people to just know what this movie really is. So they make R rated trailers that actually have swears and sometimes nudity and violence uh-huh. in, that can be shown in a trailer. So it's like a oh. rated R trailer. So you're going to actually get to see the actual. What's red band mean? Like, it's illicit audience. Like, you know, like, red band, it's like warning. Oh, yeah. okay. Caution before yeah. you watch this. Like, make sure oh. you're... 
sometimes they give everything away, like every funny thing they have. Right. They give it all away. Right. And Wedding Crashers didn't. So I try to like suss together whether it is, but now I'm guessing that if it's going to have a list of content, they just go red band with it. So right. I kind of answered my own questions. Q time, baby. Let's do it. Um, I see some standbys. I see, I see the Arrested Development front and center, which is great. That shouldn't be in there. Are you sure you're looking at the right thing? Oh, that's popular on Netflix. <laughs> you see some standbys. You see all the classics. <laughs> do, do, do. Skillful editing. Time in. I like that you have like a... You have like the the Netflix originals that they automatically add to your queue. <laughs> You've got the Beasts of No Nation, Love, Bloodline, Narcos. Yeah. Um, as far as movies go, you got a, like a one page uh, queue. This is great. It's very manageable. I'll say this in the interest of full disclosure: when we had this idea a couple of months ago to do this Clearing the Queue podcast, I just got inspired to like start watching the things I had been putting off. Right. So like. In those few weeks, I watched a bunch of stuff that had been cluttering there. The Terminator movies. Right, exactly. Terminator movies, My Left Foot, you know, the old Jack Ryan movies, stuff then like that. Then explain why Coming <laughs> to America is on this movie. Uh, just didn't quite get there. How did you add it? How is this? How have you gone this far in life without seeing it? Um, yeah, I don't know how I've gone this far in life without seeing it. Um, it's possible that I saw it as a little kid and forgot. I have this... I've, I remember seeing the movie Made in America. <laughs> With the Ted Danson and <laughs> yeah. Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. That was terrible. And I think I thought that that was this movie. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Eddie Murphy, uh, people talk about him as being, like, one of the greatest comedic personas of yeah. all time. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, we grew up, it was, like, Bowfinger... Nutty Professor, Doolittle. Like, that, those were the movies that were coming out. Right. And Bowfinger... It's real. Like, people don't even really know it exists, but it's like his last really great comedic movie. I really like that movie. I think yeah. it's great. I mean, Nutty Professor doesn't quite hold up. It sort of was aimed at like the like when we were thirteen. It was right. Like, that's why we liked it. Yeah. Um. But you're right. We got like the tail end of his comedic prime. Yeah. We got like those last gasps, like mm-hmm. Randy Johnson in the in a Yankees uniform. <laughs> um. You also have you seen Life? I've seen. I was just going to mention Life. Yeah. The, I really both, see, that. when people try to just write off '90s Eddie Murphy, yeah, because like he did like vampire in brooklyn and a lot of other weird weird movies they people forget about bowfinger and life and really right now anyone listening should go see those because they're hilarious it made that bowfinger made me like steve martin i've never liked steve martin before mm. that and I'm i've like, always liked steve martin <laughs> <laughs> um but coming to america holy do you do you know the plot do you I, know i do because i've i've watched the trailer for it recently it is going to be hard to top this one yeah, he's a he's a prince. He's an African prince, and he comes to America to find a bride. I think Arsenio Hall is in it. He is. He's like his uh, vizier, like his right hand man. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen like the like the the Beverly Hills Cop Forty Eight Hours? So Beverly Hills Cop was in my queue for a long time, and uh, it sounds like from your tone that it's not in there anymore. No, it's gone. I think I might have deleted it. When I, I think I was trying to make myself watch Coming to America, and I was like, if I remove Beverly Hills Cop, it's more likely that I'll watch this one. I Knowing you as well as I do, you love comedy of all sorts. You're just like a junkie. When in doubt, I will watch a comedy. You it takes a, a lot for me to be in the mood to see something that's You not have funny. a movie in here called The Comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is that? It's an, um, it's yeah, an, that's Tim Heidecker from Tim and Eric. It is supposed to be, you know, like him, sort of an anti-comedy. Uh, 2012, when it came out, an aging hipster 
Inured to his life of privilege in New York, wastes time by engaging in games of mindless cruelty with his equally numb friends. Um, where did you, I hadn't even heard of this. Uh, my friend Ethan told me to see it because we were talking about Tim and Eric and how funny they are. And he was like, did you ever see, you know, Tim's movie, The Comedy? And I was like, no, I haven't seen it. So I added it to the queue. He, he highly recommended it. It's, t- I mean, any other time, that's a, a kind of a cool choice. But when you got to go up against Coming to America, <laughs> um, you've got Will Ferrell, Casa de Mi Padre. I forgot about that movie completely. That's so, the one where he speaks Spanish and the, the whole movie is in Spanish. Yes. And as... The, as we've, that came out in 2012. Wow. Yeah, and we've talked about that. There was a time when you'd seen every Jim Carrey movie. There was a time when I'd seen every Will Ferrell movie. Like, he's my guy. I would watch everything he was in. Did you see Bewitched? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course, I saw Bewitched. Saw Stranger Than Fiction. I mean, even if he just had, like, a little cameo in something, I would watch it. You love Elf. Elf is your favorite. Love Elf. My favorite Christmas movie tied with Die Hard. Uh, this movie has to be terrible, right? Otherwise, we would have known. Casa de mi Padre. So it's entirely in Spanish, which is why it's the hardest Will Ferrell movie for me to decide to watch. Right. Maybe like, it's great. Shouldn't this have a cult following by now? Yes. It should. Like, it's that, like... It should have a cult following. Because I think I, there's people that's, like, I didn't really like Ricky Bobby when it came out, but even that has sort of gotten better, mm-hmm. like, because of, like, the John C. Riley like, as their relationship yep. got better. Casa de mi Padre. You don't have any other thoughts on it? Is that... It just that so I I sort of thought that I could find this loophole because you know Hannah and I are constantly trying to decide what to watch together and since she speaks Spanish and she like reads books in Spanish and stuff I thought maybe it would appeal to her <laughs> this Will Ferrell movie that was all in Spanish and I think it backfired I think she's actually less interested in it because it sounds so absurd This one's really cool you've got Hellboy the movie Hellboy Yeah the comic book adaptation Shit and thus will answer what my guilty pleasure TV show once was. We've found it. So my guilty pleasure TV show, which I haven't watched in 10 years, but it was the OC. And in the OC, there's an episode where, uh, what's his name? The guy who plays the nerd guy. I don't even know what his name is. Adam something. Adam Brody? Is that the actor's name? He's in Gotham now. He plays Commissioner Gordon in Gotham? I don't know. Neither do I. Okay. So there's a guy in the OC, and uh, there's this episode that's sort of based around him wanting to watch the movie Hellboy, and he's like a big comic nerd. And when I saw that episode, and again, this was 10 years ago, I thought, oh, man, I, like, I'm a comic nerd. Why haven't I ever seen Hellboy? And so for the last 10 years, I've thought I should see that movie. <laughs> um, Hellboy is cool because it... Was like when we were reading comics, it was like an independent comic that we right. would, that we were just too kind of mainstream with yeah. our tastes that like we never got into it. But somehow it got made through like the studio system and uh, it was a Guillermo del Toro joint. Right. Um, and it was like one of his first, like, I, this was either, I can't, I don't know if this was before Pan's Labyrinth or not. I don't know if he used his Pan's Labyrinth cachet to before. make it. So he made Pan's Labyrinth after this, but yeah. it's got that that style to it. But it's really kind of cool. The effects were really cool. It's a, it was enjoyable. I, I like how you were, the OC was what brought it back to you, though. Yeah. Um, uh, and movie wise, will be you got Beasts of No Nation. That's mm-hmm. the Idris Elba critically acclaimed. Yeah, it's supposed to be awesome. But that just came out, so that one can't possibly top Coming to America. 
And there's this one Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. <laughs> um, I've heard that phrase. I don't know where. Yeah. Um, but it's got... That's Gary Oldman, it's right? It's got films. Yeah. Motion pictures, Gary Oldman. So I can tell you exactly why that's in the queue. Um, yeah, you don't. Your your whole person doesn't scream gripping thriller about Cold War espionage. No, it doesn't. Our friend Dylan at one point had like just seen that movie and we were talking about it. And he said it was really good. So I put it in my queue. And then one night I was trying to decide what movie to watch, and it was between that and uh, I think Hunt for the Red October or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I texted him. And I was like, which one of these should I watch? He was like, neither. You should go watch the one I love. So Dylan is the reason that's in there, and he's the reason that it hasn't gotten watched yet. Because you, it he can't be that. He out-recommended himself. Right, and it just can't be that good. I guess not. Or That's a hard one. This yeah. one is kind of like why we have Clearing the Queue. It's like the one that will forever gather dust. And, gonna, yet, yeah. and yet coming to America and Casa de Padre, they're like the... This is the one I want to watch. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is the type of movie that I could delete from the queue without watching it. Let's There's, do it. I mean, we could do it. We're doing it. Okay. Gone. All right. All right. I mean, I, I think I've seen enough. Right now, Coming to America is the heavy, heavy, heavy favorite. Yeah. So, can, honestly, you're a great and persuasive uh, arguer. Oh, thank you. Can you make any... <laughs> case for casa demi padre over (laughs) coming to america Ooh, for watching that one instead um we've already established that there's no following for it already (laughs) so the case would be twofold yeah part one would be although coming to america is way older than casa demi padre casa demi padre um is highly likely to just live in my queue forever like there could be a day there could be a day when i'm like all right, you know what? I'm going to watch Coming to America. But it's so much less likely that I'm ever going to say, let's watch this like foreign language film. It's funny because if we lived in a, in, a, in a world where like cord cutting was not such a thing and you had cable, mm. like if, if this was just 10 years ago, yep. Coming to America is on constantly on like the USA. Right. And so you would have caught it. Like you yeah. definitely would have caught it, but it's, the world is now. I feel like I've seen it. Like I have little images in my head from it, but I don't think I actually yeah, have. Yeah, you're going to need to see it all pieced together. All right. <laughs> what was part two? If we watch Casa de Mi Padre and it's good, that'll that's like gold. That's social gold for us. Like we'll be able to, in conversation, tell people like, oh, have you ever seen that uh, Will Ferrell Spanish movie? And they're like, what I don't bad? remember it. And we're like, what if it's bad? We're like, yeah, I know. I thought it was going to be bad too, but it was so good. And we're like recommending it. We already talked about Dumb and Dumber. I can't in good conscience. Dumb and Dumber too. I can't yeah. in good conscience. Even there's a slimmer of chance of that happening. A glimmer of a chance. So all right, overruled. Sorry, Will Ferrell. <laughs> but we're going. We're going. We're going to watch Coming to America. That's right. We're going to do it. And uh, the listeners at home, they're going to hear the trailer for it. And then we're going to come back. We'll give a little brief recap, and then we'll talk about what we saw. Let's go to America. <laughs> I have seen Feifel Goes West. <laughs> Once upon a time, in a faraway kingdom, lived a handsome prince. He was attended by devoted servants. Do you think perhaps just once I might use the bathroom by myself? Most amusing, sir. 
Wipers! And engaged by royal decree. Why? Why can't I find my own wife? We've gone to a great deal of trouble to select for you a very fine wife. I want a woman that's going to arouse my intellect as well as my loins. Where will you find such a woman? In America. So he traveled across the sea to the land of opportunity, which is where the fairy tale ends and our story begins. Behold, Simi, life, real life, and seeing that we have been denied for far too long. We're in New York now. Let us dress as New Yorkers. I feel like a complete idiot. Have either of you ever had any fast food work experience before? Certainly not. This will be our first job in the United States. I am Akeem. Nice to meet you, Akeem. I have recently been placed in charge of garbage. That's good to know. Oh, my goodness! It is you! Greetings, Your Highness! Who was that? Eddie Murphy. Just the man I met in the restroom. Arsidio Hall. Ah! In a comedy fable of royal romance. Coming to America. Sir, I was wondering, did you happen to catch the professional football contest on television last night? No, I didn't. Oh, it was most exhilarating. The Giants of New York took on the Packers of Green Bay. And in the end, the Giants triumphed by kicking an oblong ball made of pigskin to a big H. It was a most ripping victory. All right. That was coming to America. Came to America. You went, you came. We came, we saw, we conquered. Um... So we got to do our recap real quick. Yeah. You and, were pretty close in the opening. Yeah. I was just thinking like as hard as Primer was to recap. Yes. This will be easier. Yes. It's literally Eddie Murphy is an African prince. Lavished his whole life. Yep. But he wants more. Yeah. He's got people doing everything for him. He has people he's, tying his shoes. He's and, educated and he's wise enough to realize that none of it makes him happy. So he decides he's going to go to America to find his bride. He goes to Queens and then he, you know, tries to live the life of a pauper and he finds a girl, falls in love with her, tries to hide from her that he's a prince so that she loves him for who he is. It works. It works. And, uh, <laughs> that's basically it. You know, and Wikipedia <laughs> said it was a romantic comedy and yeah, it is a romantic yeah, comedy. Yeah, it's a romantic comedy. Um, it's like a one of like the weaker ones, but like like mm. as far as like it doesn't have the things that we traditionally think of a romantic comedy. Like yeah, L- like the <laughs> like a personality, yeah. like his uh, his romantic partner. She is no- she's got nothing. She's nothing. I mean, the actress is great, but the character has no qualities. Uh, I did a lot. So I wanted to start at like at the director. John Landis, who's a name that I had heard of. Oh, I've heard that name. Um, well, like, so when you hear, he basically was just crushing the 80s. He he did Animal House in the late 70s, uh-huh. Blues Brothers, Trading Places, Three Amigos, Spies Like Us, and he even did the Thriller music video and uh, worked with Eddie, like, a couple times, and he's a, he's a guy. He's yeah, a guy. he's a guy. And it, was, it was made for... 40 mil. It came out in 1988, too. $40 million? Yeah. Well, if you look, look Ooh, at all, all like, those dance sequences. Dance sequences, the costumes. <laughs> the elephants. It was nominated for two Oscars, Best Costume Design and Best Makeup, uh-huh. for obviously like all of the yeah. various characters that Eddie and Arsenio played. Right. Um, and I also looked up 88 comedies just to see what other peers of that time were. Uh, Beetlejuice, Big, Naked Gun, Twins, 
Bull Durham, Roger Rabbit, Fish Called Wanda. That was all 88? 88, yeah. Scrooge. Good year. And Don't add Hairspray was 88. There was a stronger list before you said Scrooge and Hairspray. <laughs> um, it made 128 mil for rated R, for rated R movies a yeah. lot. Um, so this was like his last. This is the end of the 80s. This is it? Yeah. Um, my first thing I wrote down was when you saw that Louis Anderson was in the credits. Yeah. You went exclaimed, Louis Anderson. <laughs> and I can't ever recall you liking Louis Anderson. I have no feelings on Louis I Anderson. Just, why did you exclaim it like that? Like, he's not like, like we don't like his comedy. No. He's like, a, he actually is anno- quite annoying. Like, yeah. I just thought that was funny. I don't know why. You're right. I did like audibly exclaim. <laughs> I think I was just surprised. Um, Yeah, and then obviously Sam Jackson has like a great Samuel L. Jackson was in the intro credits, so I knew he was coming, which was unfortunate because it would have been a great surprise. Um, This was the second full time I've seen this through. You should go first. You go first, and then I'll... So like the first note I took was... So it's Eddie Murphy, and his dad is James Earl Jones, and his mom, I don't know the actress's name. He plays Mufasa. He basically is Mufasa. So James Earl Jones and Eddie Murphy could not look more different. Like, totally unbelievable as father-son. Also, James Earl Jones is just doing a British accent. Eddie Murphy, at times, is doing like a sort of vaguely African accent, but it comes and goes. And then his mom is just straight American. Yes. Yeah. It's <laughs> so great. I'm like, it's where great. is yeah. this supposed to take place? Exactly. Like, the director kind of said, like, fuck it, just do a voice, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like, it didn't that's really not the matter. Point of the it movie. didn't matter. No, yeah. it didn't matter, but it was noteworthy. And yeah, James Earl Jones, the next line I wrote was Lion King. Because he's just doing Mufasa, but obviously this came out first. Yeah, he's so more stuck up. I guess my question is, like, for people who saw this movie in the 80s, when The Lion King came out, were you like, oh, he's doing his character from Coming to, to me, America? So James Earl Jones, to me, was like Field of Dreams James sure. Earl Jones. yeah. When I heard that voice. Yeah. So, not really. He wasn't... It's interesting I mean, that, like, yeah, he's just done such iconic voices. Yeah. And he's like a curmudgeon. He's kind of like just a, a, a curmudgeon. A curmudgeon? Like, what did you say? Curmudgeon. C U R. You said carmudgeon. Like That's a, how I've always been saying it. No, it's curmudgeon. Curmudgeon. Yeah. Carmudgeon would be funny, like a like a grumpy car. Curmudgeon y. <laughs> oh, okay. Damn, that sucks. I'm picturing like an animated car that's like really We've all got our vices. Yeah, we do. I used to say realization instead of realization. Fish out of water story. Like That's my next note. Fish out of Have water. Have you been st- copying off of me? Literally it says right here, fish out of water. That's my <laughs> next note. Oh yeah, elf. And then I started to come up with a list of other fish out of water, and I got as far as Elf and Ella Enchanted. No, I was gonna say not Ella Enchanted, but the one Enchanted with Amy Adams is like the That's what I meant. Oh, Enchanted. But I wrote Ella I Enchanted. thought of Enchanted too. <laughs> like someone that's just walking through new- Yeah, that's right. It, yeah. it's we we're totally in sync on yeah. that. Uh, I think those ones may have, I don't think they've done, they were done better. Maybe they were just sharper, like more refined comedy. Well, yeah, there was an issue with this, which was in the beginning, the setup is he's never had to do anything. Like literally like he has a servant that wipes his butt. Yes. And that's really funny. The royal penis is clean. Yeah. And so for the first 15 minutes, like that's a pretty funny thing. When he gets to New York, they very rarely play up that. Other than him not knowing how to use a mop, which was really funny. Oh, that's right. There are all these times when he just kind of like is fine. He's like paying for things and he's like getting places and he's he's like pretty functional. And I was expecting it to be much more like Enchanted or Elf, where like the comedy comes from him not knowing how to do anything because he's never had to do anything. 
Right. My next note is sexual chocolate. Yes. Cultural reference that I've heard a million times and never really knew. How about Soul Glow? Because I wrote, I thought that was going to be one of the bigger ones that you might have heard of. Like I don't the, think I've heard the about the Jerry Curl Soul Glow. I mean, I've heard of Jerry. That's Curls. a lasting one too. Like the very wet, sloppy Soul Glow hair. Right, but that's not from this movie. I mean, it's in this movie, but Jerry Curls were not invented. No, no, no. But like the big wet. I don't know. I just feel like that was very lasting. I thought that. I, I don't know for some reason. I always mm. you associate that with this. Yeah. Yeah. And to that end, I remember thinking, oh, great, when, like, uh, Daryl, like, that's Lisa's douchebag. We didn't really talk about him in the recap, but when Eddie Murphy first meets Lisa, um, she has this fucking asshole boyfriend, Daryl, and I wrote down a bunch of notes on him. But she eventually leaves him because he sucks. Let's talk Daryl for a quick second. I remember him, I remember going in, and I was, like, rubbing my hands, like, we're going to see, I'm like, he was an, to me, he was an all-time... 80s cinema douchebag mm, but yeah. he really doesn't do he much. does four things he does four. and i listed his four things because his so basically there's there's this trope in comedies and it's it's like my favorite thing and it's also my least favorite thing yeah and it's basically you've got a dude comedy the dude falls in love with a girl but the girl already has a boyfriend now in order to make us root for the protagonist we need to make her current boyfriend so bad that like her leaving him and immediately going with our hero is going to be good. Right. So like Wedding Crashers being the most egregious example of this. Bradley Cooper. So in this case, we've got this guy, Daryl, and he does these four things that, that get like more and more over the top. But the first thing is when they're at the church service and they're passing around the collections basket, everybody's putting money in and he just doesn't put any money in. Only to later take credit for, for Akeem, all the money for... that Hakim put in. We didn't say that Eddie Murphy's character is named Hakim. It's we're just, Akeem. We're just calling Akeem. him Eddie. Akeem? No H. I thought it was Hakim. I thought it was Carmudgeon. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first thing Daryl does. The second thing is when they all go to the basketball game together, he's like really racist towards Akeem. He's like asking him all these derogatory things about his life in Africa. Yeah. That's like really culturally insensitive. Then when Samuel L. Jackson shows up in the in the restaurant he does the and he's got his big gun, fucking Akeem stops him with a fucking broom handle and meanwhile Daryl is, is cowering just cowering in the corner oh, with, his cup, I mean, with his cup shaking with They're great. They were all like it was enough. It was enough to really put it over the top. But then they really did it over the top with Daryl announcing to the public that Lisa, Lisa had accepted his hand in marriage. Yeah. But he had never talked to her about it. Well, Bradley Cooper and Wedding Crashers does the exact, exact same thing. Exact same thing. <laughs> but what sucks is like which one we saw. We saw Wedding Crashers. We saw second. Wedding Crashers first. The Rachel McAdams character second. was similar to Lisa. Like they were educated, yeah. independent. Um, we're just had, do, we're just doing it for their dads for the most part. Yep. Um, and we actually mentioned it's funny that we just brought up Wedding Crashers in the previous segment, but yeah. One thing that Wedding Crashers has better than this yep. is the chemistry between Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson. Absolutely. Like, Arsenio Hall was not great. I went into it from the first... Like, when Arsenio Hall first appears, I had, like, that Louis Anderson-sized smile that went across my face because I love Arsenio Hall, and I was just, like, glad to see him. And then slowly over the course of the movie, it sort of wore off because he didn't really... He didn't really deliver. No, he wasn't... He wasn't... He just wasn't much... Yeah, he he needed to rebel more. He needed to do more active. St- like he got, it was most interesting when he started to like f- actively fuck up 
Akeem's plans, but they didn't yes. have a falling out. Like right. they never had a falling out in the way no. that like Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson did. So Correct. the evolutionary take yeah. on it with Wedding Crashers was better. Um, so it's established that you um, you have a little soft spot for reality television. Yeah. Can you describe to me the plot of the old show Joe Millionaire? Yes, Joe Millionaire. It? Yeah, is it's a bachelor type show where women are competing for a guy's affections, but they're told up front that he's just a normal guy, and that's sort of the take that it's sort of like an average Joe thing. So the women are told it's an average thing. They want to know who can fall in love with this guy who's just like just a, dude. a construction worker. Yeah, but he's really like a underground millionaire. Like he's really got secretly he's a millionaire. Secret millionaire. Yeah, and that's it. So that's this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that show is the TV show adaptation of this movie. Right. Yeah. That's all. Astute. Yeah, thank you. Um, something you didn't notice, Ooh. but in the Royal Penis is Clean scene, the bathtub, that's an iconic scene yes. too. And it was made more famous by the, the R. Kelly Snoop Dogg song. And I knew that that song referenced uh, that scene because right. it, when the song starts do you know the song it's called That's That okay like no you know what's weird I had a dream about Ignition remix last night yeah there's a great piece that you guys everyone here listening should read it was a GQ piece with R. Kelly really revealing and, and bizarre but you guys should read it it came out like a couple months ago okay. I recommend it to everybody how are they going to find it uh, Google GQ Google GQ, GQ R. Google R. Kelly interview great um, but uh, the whole song that's been pl- was playing is the actual sample in used oh, in that song oh got it so got it. you'll hear I didn't even I knew the song was in it but I didn't know they sampled right. the entire melody from that yeah, but that was cool. Um, what else we got? I wrote. So, is this a rom com? Yeah, it's a rom com. Yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's a fish out of water story. At some point, we need to have a rom com expert in, mm. and we should bring this one as a case of like, what is is this, this a rom com? Yeah, we could come up with a list of movies that, like the classic. Well, it's in the bag, so I won't ruin it. But okay. there's a question in the bag about, yeah, and um. Sam Jackson. So I saw his name in the credits, and I thought, all right, we're going to be seeing a younger Sam Jackson than I'm used to, and so I don't really know what he's going to be doing. And halfway through the movie, he still hadn't appeared. And then all of a sudden, he just busts in to this fast food restaurant with a fucking shotgun, <laughs> screams motherfucker, <laughs> shoots into the ceiling, and I was like, all right, well, he's here. Yeah. There he is. Um, a lot of cameos, like Cuba Gooding Jr. was in it. Yeah. And then I caught like a really deep one, which was when Eddie Murphy gets recognized in the line for the bathroom yeah. by just a random concession worker. Yeah. It was the actor who plays Ben Urich in the Daredevil TV show, which is a little inside oh, yeah. baseball, but it was just really that weird was to great. Like, and pick. It was quick, and you got that quickly. Yeah. It, it had the multiple Eddie Murphys. Like, he played a whole bunch of different right. characters. Right, that was a big which, thing. Which, even as you were pointing them out, I still wasn't even catching all of the ones that were happening. This, uh, this is the movie he started doing. This that is the in. first one. He would do it in... Pretty much all movies after that. I feel like he, he, I feel like it's a requirement. If you want him in your movie, you have to hire him for like four auxiliary characters. I'm guessing it's just that's more fun for him. It's gotta be. It's gotta be just for fun, right? Yeah. To do like a Richard Simmons character and like Nutty Professor. So I wrote down what I think to be Eddie Murphy's greatest comedic quality. His smile. His smile 
and I wrote down his smile and specifically his ability to hold a smile because the hardest I laughed in the whole movie was this one scene where Lisa is in the office. She's like getting some work done and he's mopping and you see him walk by in the background right? and he's just has this frozen shit eating grin on his face and he makes three passes across the screen left to right and back and forth and his just ability to hold that face. Yeah. I, I wrote down Eric Cartman, Bugs Bunny and Peter Griffin. Like just that cartoon because in a cartoon you can just have a character exactly hold one face yeah and get comedy from that but in with an actual human being it's harder mm. and mm. eddie murphy can just nail that just yep. keep he can just hold that for an entire scene um really it just comes down now do you have any other thought? like did what would you rate this thing it was funny there were a lot of funny things in it i don't know that it's a movie that i would see more than once and there was a, like a lot of chuckling in it. There wasn't as much like gut wrenching laughter. Yeah. I think this is three stars. Three stars. You're just visiting America. You're not gonna <laughs> settle down. Hey, I'm coming to America. You know, if I could give it three and a half stars, I would. I love the half star rating. Um, Netflix won't allow me to, so they've sort of forced my hand. I'm I, I'm the same way. I'm three stars too, and I and I just remember it being better than it really mm. was. Um, and I don't, I don't really have any real reasons. But now it makes sense. The Rotten Tomatoes score sixty nine percent, and it kind of, oh. it probably just isn't as fresh and witty. And the Arsenio stuff really starts like starts to make sense why he never really acted in anything after this. <laughs> yeah. Um, because really, it's fun to be in Zamunda for the first fifteen minutes and see right. all the crazy over the top stuff. Yeah. And then there's some good moments, but it's there's not. I assume Zamunda is a made up place. Yes. My geography is not. It felt made up. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that you sometimes, like, because McDowell's will be brought up in certain pop culture type totally. things. Yeah, the McDonald's knockoff that John Amos yeah. runs. I hope that comes up in, like, sometime in the next couple of weeks. And you're just like, I just got a McDowell's reference. <laughs> I feel like that is just one of these ones that's just in the ether. You kind of uh-huh. got to know what people will reference it. But yeah. at the same time, it's also sort of past, past its prime. It's sort yeah. of, it is what it is. It is what it is. Well, Maddie, I'm happy to say... That you're one step closer to clearing that queue. <laughs> We're going to say that together. Oh. Usually we take a little pause, say one step closer, two, and then both together we say clearing, clearing that queue. Clearing that queue? Oh, sorry. I thought it was clearing the queue. <laughs> <laughs> that was clearing the queue. If you have heard anything you like or know that we were just dead wrong about, you can email us at uh, clearingthequeue at gmail.com. Q is spelled Q-U-E-U-E. That's a tough one. And if your thoughts are funny, we'll read it on air. Follow us on Twitter at CTQ Podcast. Instagram at clearingthequeue. Facebook.com slash clearingthequeue. Subscribe on iTunes. Yeah, subscribe on iTunes. I don't know how you do that. <laughs>